0: Today on Locked On Red Wings, they fall 8-3 to the Buffalo Sabres, an absolute thrashing at the hands of the Sabres in what was an Blaschel-era loss for the Red Wings. You're Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Red Wings podcast. We are your hosts, Brian Fisher and Scotty Bentley. I am a podcast producer for WWJ News Radio 950, while Scotty is the host of Locked On Tigers, as well as a freelance journalist for the Detroit News. And I do not want to do this episode, Scotty. <laughs> with every fiber of my being. I just wanted to turn the TV off and go to bed. But we got to do our jobs. We got to talk about it.
1: I, I really wanted to start recording this when it got to like five. five. five yeah. To be honest with you, I was like, I, I literally, they scored the fifth. I was like, I'm ready. I, I'm ready to talk about this game. Whatever happens after this is, is just going to be icing.
0: When they got that power play, I looked over to my girlfriend Allison and I told her if the Buffalo Sabres score here to go up five to three, it's, it's going to be game over. Like this, this power play for the Buffalo Sabres is going to make or break the team for the Detroit or the game for the Detroit Red Wings. And I was spot on because what ensued after that goal was just pure laziness, uh, d- defeat. I, I There's so many bad adjectives you could use. To just dis- describe what we witnessed in the last ten minutes of that third period, but it wasn't even the last thir- ten minutes of the third yeah. period. That was just the accumulation of just getting how about the first twenty-five minutes of the game. Yeah. That was <laughs> how about the- how about like ha- at halftime,
1: right? The ten-minute mark of the second, having like b- being outshot like twenty-seven to ten or something ridiculous. How about that?
0: Yeah, absolutely. It was a disgusting game from start to finish, and I said it in the cold open. And I got to catch myself because it's so easy to want because our emotions are still so very raw from having just witnessed this absolutely embarrassment of a game to want to overreact and just say, like, this is awful. But now this is three of the last... Four games in which you've lost big, and two of those were absolutely—you got your doors knocked off. And you could say that in game against Boston, the hashtag underlying numbers looked good against the Boston Bruins, but you still lost five to two in that game as well. No, five to one, right? Five to one. Yeah, it was five to two against Devils, yeah. five to one to the de- uh, Boston Bruins. They've so, lost like, like you
1: three or more? Yeah, in three, in of, their last three of the last
0: games. four. And the one game in which you didn't lose by a lot, unfortunately, who so was in that? Not unfortunately, that's not the right term. But I'm in unfortunately for Nadelkovich is what I'm trying to say. But like, yeah. I, I have so many emotions swirling in my head right now. I got to like slow myself down and like, like start with like the number one thing. The number one thing is this was a very much. Uh, it felt like a Blatchel era loss for the Detroit Red Wings. We saw this a lot in the second half of last season. I went back and I looked today because I was curious. I was just at work and it was right. I was on lunch and I was looking at the Red Wings record last season. They were 500 until March 1st from March 1st until the end of the season. It was just constant five, six, seven plus goal losses. And that's what tonight looked like. It looked like the team gave up. The wheels fell off. The confidence was gone. The defeat was there. And it's because from start to finish in this game, they were outplayed by the Buffalo Sabres. Now we both know what our predictions were at the start of the season. Scotty, we had Buffalo as the seventh place team in the division because they, we thought they were incredibly young and that while that talent was all there, they probably were not going to be a competitive team yet this year. So far early in the season, they have proved us wrong every step of the way. Not that we're always hundred percent right. We're probably more wrong than we are right. Most of the time, but the Buffalo Sabres have looked fantastic and looked fantastic in this game. They held you to 18 shots in this game. You, they, they outshot you. 46 was the final tally on shots to 18. That's almost 30. They weren't just dominating you in their offensive zone. They were dominating you in their defensive zone. You couldn't, enter the zone. In the first period, Scotty, the offensive zone, go, crossing the offensive zone with possession. I remember them putting this graphic up. The Red Wings had 22% success rate where well, the Buffalo Sabres had 66. And it was the same problem we saw the first um 10 games of the season. What is this? The 10th game now. And that's why I want to like slow down and make sure, because my emotions are very raw, not to overreact because it has been just 10 games under a new regime with a lot of new players on this team and a lot of youth on this team, not to be like, it's the end of the world. Because th- things like this Things like this game should never happen, but losses, bad losses, are going to happen while this team tries to figure it out. But this game tonight was unacceptable on so many different levels. It was embarrassing what the Buffalo Sabers had had done to you. I don't care how how of a start they're off to. You never lose eight to three. You ready for the corniest line ever? Go for it. It's
1: Halloween night, and that game was the scariest thing I saw all day. It <laughs> was terrible, man. No, and and you covered a lot of the main points. I, I think the one thing that we need to, I don't want to say keep an eye on, because this has been the conversation. Going into the season, we talked about it on here. And now, you know, even when we were winning, we talked about it. Like, th- this team's defense, while undoubtedly better than last season's is still a long ways away from being I don't know viable (laughs) like even (laughs) even like somewhat respectable like it's it's not and it's been I know we just lost and like you said we I don't want to get caught too much up in the moment and and really just you know, said this is like the worst defense ever. Or it's the worst team I've ever seen, or whatnot. Because that's obviously not true. And again, last year's defense was was worse. But this is now three of the last four. Right. This is yeah. this is three of the last four games your defense has gotten embarrassed. So, like, what are we doing? Like, what are we doing here? And and not enough. At right, clearly. And we'll we'll talk about. We'll talk about the offense and we'll talk about there was some people offensively that contributed. But, again, like it's one thing if you're giving up almost 30 shots in the first half of the game and you're somewhat hanging with them. It's another thing when the offense is also – so. and it wasn't like when the offense was on the rush or on the few times they were on the rush in the first half of the game or or whatnot that – They weren't getting decent looks. And like we saw at the end of the second period and kind of really early on in the third, like they they, they were converting on some opportunities, like still put up three goals. Three goals does not usually equate to losing by five, right? Like that's, that's Mm -hmm. not a bad day at the office, but it's still the, what am I trying to say? The biggest reason as to why, like, yes, the offense didn't whiff on all their opportunities, but they didn't have nearly as many shots because the puck was in your own zone, the entire game, the Mm -hmm. entire game, the entire first period, it it was pretty much in the wing zone and the entire last 10 minutes of the game, it was pretty much exclusively in your zone. The second period, still a majority in your zone. And then at the end of the second, you kind of had some opportunities pop up and, and you got to take advantage of of some uh, of those opportunities which is great but like it is it has been a blatant issue for not only three of the last four games when they've been losing by a lot but even some of the wins we had early on like that first devils win right You're like, this is a team that has t- 10 games in has mightily struggled to just get consistent pressure in the other zone or keep the puck in the opponent's zone on a semi-consistent basis. Your your whole offense can't just be the rush and and breakaways. It can't. It's that's not sustainable. It's not gonna work. You have to score on special teams and, and on five on five, you you have to have some sort of zone entry and then an, an ability to keep the puck in the opponent's zone. And so far, 10 games in outside of like the Ducks game you really have not had that on a consistent basis for 3 periods yet
0: uh, no i completely agree with you on every single one of those one of those things i mean where the team is 4 3 and 2 so they've played 9 games now um, officially and it, it's just the cracks are there and we've seen it. And again, we don't want to overreact right now, but based on what we saw last year and what we're seeing so far this year, there isn't a whole lot that's changed. Yeah. They score more goals off the rush. That's great. Yeah. Their power play and penalty kill are seemingly improved, although they let up two penalty kill um, goals in this game, power play goals for Buffalo in this game off of six penalties. Penalties were an issue last year. And also, Another reason why it was a Blasio era loss is guess what? You gave up another hat trick. Tage Thompson, who is earning every penny of that contract had six points in this game. (laughs) Every single step of the way, every point of this discussion is unacceptable for an NHL caliber team to lose to. And we saw it so much last year that we were hoping that this type of thing would not happen this year. And this is, this was the exact type of loss that we saw as Red Wings fans last year. And we have a, bunch of new acquisitions a bunch a whole new coaching staff so it just very much feels like what's changed and and yeah the again the emotions are incredibly raw like so I'm I'm very fired up right now because we we're recording this right after they finished losing this game so understandably logically I know that things are still a process this is part of the process that Lolone likes to preach it, but like Like I said, these types of losses are just never, ever, ever acceptable. You touched on the defense. I want to continue on it because it's not just the defense, uh, defense, defense. It's the forwards defense too. no one played well in the defensive zone. And I want to talk about that as well. But first I got to talk to the people today about simply safe. They'll keep you safe physically. But if you watch the Red Wings, you'll never be emotionally safe. If you thought about securing your home with home security, but I've been putting it off. You'll want to listen up right now. Lockdown Red Wings listeners can order the number one rated simply safe home security system for 50% off. This is their biggest offer of the year. You won't want to miss it. Here's why you're going to love it. Simply safe. Was named the best home security system of 2022 by U.S. News and World Report. A third year in a row. In an emergency, 24-7 professional monitoring agents use fast protect technology exclusively from Simply Safe to capture a critical evidence, to capture critical evidence and verify the threat is real so you can get priority police response. Simply Safe is whole home security with advanced sensors for every room, window, and door, HD security cameras for inside and out, smarter ways to detect motion and that alert you only when a threat is real, and even hazard sensors that detect fires, floods, and other personal threats to your home. 24/7 professional monitoring service costs less than $1 a day, less than half the price of ADT's traditional professionally installed system. Don't miss your chance to save big on the only security system that we recommend get 50% off any new Simply Safe system at simplysafe.com slash lockdown NHL. This is their biggest discount of the year, so don't wait. This is simplysafe.com lock slash lockdown NHL. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Segment two, Locked on Red Wings podcast. Scotty, let's continue talking about the team's defense because it was completely atrocious in this game from start to finish on both sides of the ice, starting with the forwards. In the middle is the defense, and in the end is the goaltending. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, I, I know we want to talk about forward defense. I feel the need to be the one to bring this up because I was the person that brought up the fact that I thought for the first six-ish games that he looked really solid. Ben Sherrod was horrid. Oh, yeah. Um, he was terrible. I mean, that, yeah. was, that was brutal. Like, the, I mean, yeah, and, like, the physicality is always going to be there. And it wasn't like he was just... He, he, you know, took every penalty or everything. It wasn't like – it wasn't one of those things. It was just legitimately positioning and just, like, being a defenseman. He was terrible. So, I, I just I, – I think that – single-handedly for one of them. I mean, just, like, completely missed an assignment right in front of the net. You know, bingo, bingo. So, I I felt the the need. And, you know, one game, whatever. It, whatever your opinion of Sherrod is, I'm sure it hasn't changed tr- too dramatically – 10 games into a four-year deal but um yeah as someone who really thought that for the first six or seven games he looked really good out there and this one he definitely did not but it's not also like I'm not trying to single him out either pretty much everyone on the blue line
0: was terrible well and to be fair also I mean I don't think I've I've been avoiding saying this for the first nine games of the season too but I I think Moritz Seider has been I won't say he's he was been bad in this
1: one. He had a couple of really bad plays in this game.
0: He, he's he been very hit or miss in some games as well. I know Corsi four percentage um, favors him as being one of the best players on the team. And I'm sure that's true because just because he's looked iffy by his own standards doesn't mean he's looked bad. But sure. in this game in particular, I thought he did have a pretty rough game. Him and Chirap both. I mean, you look at the, game, the goal that put the Sabres up three to one, that was Jeff Skinner's 300th goal of his career. Yeah. Um, Moritz Sider had the puck down the corner, had a man on him, tried to be cute and reverse it, ended up coughing the puck up to the, uh, the guy who was chasing behind him, late man, instead of going to Ben Chirot. Ben Chirot was circling behind the net to look for that pass because Moritz Sider had the momentum that direction where Sider tried to reverse it, but neither of them took the guy in front. There's the argument to be made on, you know, if that was a miscommunication, misassignment, should a Ford have come down and covered Skinner in front of the net. Regardless, no one was in front of the net. Sider didn't feed Sherratt, so it was a turnover with both of them stuck behind the net. I mean, that was just part of one of the many miscues. And that wasn't just Sherratt and Sider. I mean, all the way down the defense, I think the only defenseman who played a decent game today was Olimata, Mata because Lindstrom, Haig, and Hronik had bad games too. If Hronik could hit the freaking net, man, he would have scored a 1,000 goals. And this is, this is not a new problem, but he had a couple of just golden opportunities from the point, and he just shoots the, high and wide every single time. He
1: rifles them.
0: But, Into the netting.
1: I mean, golly, <laughs> yeah, he, he, he leads in, in shot-on plexiglass is higher than shot-on net for him at this point. Yeah, no. Um, I don't know, man. It's Like Mata, I thought was a bright spot if we do want to do like quick, like bright spots of the game. There you go. There's the conversation for for the bright spots. Yeah. Um, Yeah, man. I I mean, tough. The the defense really was brutal. And I I think a a good conversation is the forward defense, not just the blue line defense, because it's not good. And and it's something that for the first few games of the season, we saw a lot more aggressive forechecks and we saw – the, the just the aggressiveness on the four check period was just a lot, um, a, a lot more noticeable. And it, it was a positive and something that we had talked about and something that we really liked. And I think that that's pretty much, at least for three of the last four games, pretty much gone, like disappeared. I, I mean, it is insane to me that you are supposed to be like a middle of the pack ish hockey team and yet in 3 of the last 4 games you have literally not been able to get the puck out of your own zone.
0: Yeah. And, and like, in the last three up, of the there
1: it's it's impossible uh, apparently. It's it's a it's a giant feat just to get the puck out of your zone even if it's into the neutral zone. Like just just to get the puck out of here is apparently the, the biggest ask on the planet. Like it, it it's it's unbelievable to me
0: in the last 3 or 4 games you've just at, you've looked like last year's hockey team. You you don't yeah. look like you're any you don't look any improved from last year's hockey team and that's that, that's really scary to see. And I understand it's early in the season and they're still figuring things out. I'll keep repeating that to my grave. But, you know, you need to see the improvements on a consistent basis. We've seen them play good games. The first game of the season against Montreal, they played fantastic. I mean, the game yeah. against LA, they battled back and stole a point. But it, the game against Anaheim was a fantastic game by them, but you got to do it against real caliber opponents. Right. And you know Minnesota's off to a slow start. Buffalo's off to a hot start. They're one of the you know better teams in the league. Start of the season They're here, and they absolutely
1: in the Atlantic now?
0: Yeah. Well, that's another like thing too. Was I mean, for second in the Atlantic. Yeah. You, you want to preach, um, you want to preach patience, not patience. Be like you want to preach like how this team is still in it, right? Like how it's still early in the season. I mean, just look at the standings. Ottawa's in last place in the division with eight points. Buffalo's in the second place in the division with 12. Four points separates the last place from the second place in the division right now. That's how competitive competitive this division is. So, yeah, you've gotten thrashed the last three of the four games, but you're still in it. So if you can figure it out, like it's like you're being. That's why there's frustration. That's why, because
1: this is a, a team with higher expectations. We have raised the bar. For what we expect out of this team and and, and out of these players and, and out of these coaching staff and out of this, everything, this organization, the, the fans, the analysts, the, you know, you and I who talk about it every day, everybody has raised the expectations and the level that we expect out of this team because they had a good offseason to pretty much everybody's eyes and we are trending in the right direction. And. Last season, even though it was still certainly not great, and the second half was kind of a dumpster fire, it was still somewhat of a step in the right direction. And they're trending upwards. This was supposed to be another step in the direct right direction season. I still think it will be. This is again, we're not trying to be like the chicken with its head cut off, like oh my goodness, the sky is falling. But
0: it, the re, I, I'm just you can still be mad about right. This game. I'm
1: just explaining that the reason it's frustrating is because. I have I I I'm tired of saying oh well it's an outlier so like you know let's just have a short memory and move on and try to get back on the horse name Friday like no this is at, at this point th- like at what point is it no longer an outlier like this is three at of one, the last four games like at, at, it's at becoming point, a trend it's no longer an outlier and you're just getting dominated and that yeah. needs to be obviously nipped in the bud
0: it is becoming a trend and it's something that you have to address very quickly here when we come back, we'll, we'll finish up this conversation, finish up the episode. We still got to talk about Nadalkovich. We still got to talk about the number of penalties that they've taken in this game. And I mean, I, I guess ended on a high note. We'll talk about Larkin and we'll talk about the fact that the new acquisitions continue to produce, even in an absolute shelling of a game that this was. Next, Unlocked on, on Red Wings. Segment three, Locked on Red Wings podcast. I just. Okay, so I haven't even talked about it yet, like the offense, the offense's defense. So Tash Thompson's first goal, the team as a whole could not get control of the puck and they couldn't get it out. It was like a minute and a half of consistent pressure that led to that goal. The second goal for Buffalo, let's see if I have it, missed assignment by either I have it written down as Ernie or Perron, where it was Lindstrom was out in front, had his guy tied up. Hague was going to goal? second goal. Hague had the Hague was going to take the guy who was coming out from behind the net. and There's a guy out in front. Either Ernie or Perron has got to pick up that guy who was left out in front, which in this case was Quinn. And Quinn was wide open and scored. I mean, that was another story of this night. Is the amount of guys who were just left open, uncontested in the slot. And sometimes the defense missed the assignment. Sometimes the Ford didn't pick pick up their guy. It was just. A ton of I wouldn't call it miscommunication, but misfires is maybe the better term, where people didn't know who they were supposed to be covering, and that was that that is very true for the Fords as well. I mean, that just that was the recurring theme for sure among the defense with the entire team is that they just kept missing assignments, leaving guys wide open, and that's not just been this game and all the games have gotten shelled. It's leaving guys wide open where they shouldn't be. I mean, how many times was it a game against the, against the Devils? I kept tweeting out, like, weak side in all caps. Or was it Chicago? It might have been Chicago. Because they continually aren't looking Happened for it. They, they yeah. keep watching the puck. On Quinn's goal, there were five guys down low inside the slot area. In, like it, All five wings, Detroit Red Wings, were in that slot area, except for the guy, so I guess four with the guy that was tailing the guy behind the net. None of them took the guy that was in the slot wide open. Not a single one. Like, it's just team defense as a whole. They're not sure what they're supposed to be doing. They're just watching the puck. Been a continued trend. Yeah, man. It's
1: it's so frustrating. And it's something that we talked about a lot last season as well. About like, hey, this defense is really bad, but the forwards are really responsible for how bad the defense is too. And you brought in guys like Perron, and you brought in guys like Andrew Kopp like right? your bigger free agent acquisition
0: and like where's that Kopp was... been?
1: right yeah and, and so it, it's just you brought in a lot of players to try and help the two-way game and bring in two-way forwards and and, and help the the forward defense and it just really hasn't translated into a whole lot like I said So far in the regular season, when they have found defensive success in the forward group, it has been to just being ridiculously aggressive on the forecheck and just sending dudes down ice and just applying pressure and seeing what happens. And sure, against really good teams, you're going to get burned sometimes. Absolutely. But like, I mean, golly, it's better than just sitting back and waiting for something to happen or just sitting back and and trying to figure out where your assignment is, and then, oh, well, you know, there's seven. Like, maybe, I don't know. And and, and I know it's not as simple as, like, oh, you know, it it works against one team, so we're just going to keep doing it. Or it's not, you know, it's it's not a one-size-fits-all approach. It's not just, oh, we can just be really aggressive and rush people, and that's just going to solve all the problems. I'm not trying to say that. But, like, make adjustments. Do something else besides just, just sitting back in your own zone and then just consistently trying to poke and clear. That's like all we did. And we weren't, it wasn't working. So, like, maybe try something else. It just drove me nuts, man. Like, the, it, it's, 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 it's it was a very frustrating game. It was a, yeah. And I'm sure tomorrow morning, by the time people are listening to it, it will, will be a lot more level headed <laughs> and like, oh, you know, like, let's go into the next game, try and leave it behind us, whatever. But like, this is very much I- a, a you know, raw immediately following the game reaction and golly, that was a that was
0: brutal. I feel like this isn't a game you should let leave behind. Like you can leave behind the game. No, against the remember Devils. it. These are the you games know. that you
1: you yeah. remember
0: and go, hey, let's not do anything yeah. we did in this game ever again. Like you can leave behind the game against the Devils because that was your first regulation loss. You can look at the game against boss and be like, okay, they we gave up more goals, but we did this well in this game. You didn't do anything well, not at all. And you got absolutely punished for it. And this is a game you don't leave behind. This is a game you watch the tape and the film for over and over and over again to try and learn. And if this team wants to prove that they're not last year's team after a loss like this, that's what they got to do, is come out in the next game, which I believe is Thursday, and prove. saying it. Yeah. Right? Rebound. Like,
1: the the way that you – and, like, that's, again, adds to the frustration of this. We've been saying it after every single one of these blowouts. Hey, you know, it's a lot different of a conversation – if you just get back on the horse and then whoop de doo, you know, we have a really competitive game, and the next five games are all really competitive. That makes this conversation so null. And you're just like you look back three months from now and you went, that was a brutal stretch, but look what it turned into where oh we haven't had a game like that in a while. That's that's what you want to happen. That's yeah. what and you don't want to have the snowball effect. But I said with my mouth. With my own words, after the first one of these blowouts four games ago, hey, don't let this turn into a snowball. Get back on the horse. And now here we are three games later, and three of the last four have been absolutely brutal. Well, the craziest um, thing in
0: there is mixed in is a really good game against Minnesota. But correct. we got to talk about Alexander Nadalkovich because through the first five goals, I was willing to come in here and – not like defend him, defend him, but be like, yeah, five goals isn't good. And, you know, regardless, again, you're probably looking at who so as the, defensive
1: you know. performance. Yeah. But that's what I was
0: going to say is like brutal defensive performance. I didn't think he was responsible for a goal until the sixth goal, which was cousins coming down the wing. And he just got absolutely sniped top shelf over his shoulder. That was him all the way. All the first five I considered I chopped up to just power play goals. Horrible defensive performance because that's what it was. But regardless, those first five—I mean, five goals against—is still bad look. No matter what, I was going to be like it wasn't necessarily his fault. But if you're alone at this point, you have to start running with Huso because it's just you play better with Huso in net, whether it be psychological or not. You play you, you play better with Huso. You got to roll with him. But then the next three goals happened, and Nadalovic just gave up. I mean, I understand the frustration was there, that it was partly to blame because mostly to blame because of the whole team. But at a certain point, we as staunch goalie defenders have got to stop defending goaltending when goaltending isn't good. And Nedeljkovic was bad in this game. He was part of the problem as well. And as much as I want to give him partial defense, partial defense, focus on partial part for those first few goals
1: that he didn't have in front of him in this game.
0: Exactly. Like, I want to be like, like, he shouldn't have let in five goals, but he wasn't helped out at all. But at the end of the game, when you're looking at eight goals against, like this, this is the reality. We're, we got to talk about the fact that this is now Vili Husso's net in my mind. We're through nine games, and I'm already convinced that Vili Husso is at least one A because you gave him back-to-back performances: the five-to-one loss against the Boston Bruins, where you got pumped, but you looked kind of good if you looked at the other numbers, and then the game against the Minnesota Wild, where he kept them to one goal on 30 shots against. And mind you, they have Kirill Kaprazov on that team as well. So you did back to back starts. The team looked better with him and net. You go back to Ned, and the team falls apart. I'm not saying this is Ned's fault, but he looked bad in this game. He looked awful. And I'm not going to defend him. So next start, you go with Huso. And if he plays well, you go with Huso again. And if he plays well, you go with Huso again. Because this roller coaster that is this Red Wings team and this roller coaster that is Alex Nadelkovich has not solved itself. Nadelkovich looked shaky in the preseason as well. And I. Through the first two periods, I would argue that Nedeljkovic kept the team in the game because he made two or three good, uh, really good plays. There was one goal in the third period that absolutely broke him where it was a sequence of just incredible play after play after save after save after save, and they finally scored, and that was, I think, the Olimata deflection. So maybe the fifth, the fifth goal is what broke him, and that's the one where I said that if they score here, it's game over. He made a sequence of really good saves, and then that tip went right between his legs, and that broke him. And I just, I think for the time being, you just have to run with Huso because he's got it together. And Alex Nadelkovich is just—he hasn't figured it out. And it's not completely his his fault, but he definitely shares part of the blame.
1: Yeah, dog. You're no one should come on air or or, or start talk have a conversation with somebody or whatever, and defend whoever was in that after giving up eight. Okay, like there's there's a difference between like, oh, you know, the defense didn't really look good in front of him. He kind of got hosed there, kind of hung out the dry. You know, we lost two to four. Like, that's a lot different than, hey, the defense really sucked. Like, this isn't his fault at all. And we lost three to eight like that. Those are a lot different conversations. And one of them I don't think should exist. Eight goals against is brutal. And we've talked about it a lot on here. Obviously, as you said, that his start to the season has been shaky at best. Uh, it has not been a great one, and I agree with you. And I think my mindset is just it was all terrible. So like, like sure, it's not entirely Ned's fault. I agree with that. The defense was atrocious. It is certainly not. This is not. Oh my good. You know, we gave up eight goals. We lost by five. This is all Ned's fault. No, not even close to all Ned's fault. This is everybody's fault. Everyone was so terrible that. That is – like, the performance was so brutal by so many people and by the whole team that, yeah, it's certainly not just Ned's fault. Absolutely it's not.
0: Nope. Yeah, but I mean... he
1: was just as bad as everybody else because everyone was brutal. So, like, yeah, I, I that's how I view it. It's, it's not a – everybody loves to have like a scapegoat or loves to have like a you know there's no scapegoat pers- in
0: this game the entire team is awful.
1: right or like this this person's the reason that that everything's going down the, the gutter or whatever like nope everyone was brutal this was a a hold your hands and let's all just put up this performance together and that's what happens so yes ned certainly not all his fault uh, certainly a, a large majority of fault in this game gets passed around to a lot of people. The defense in front of him was not good. He was hung out to dry, but that doesn't mean that he was good in spite of that either. No, he, he was right up there, right out there with him.
0: No, and so like, let's talk. So I want to correct myself too, because I said that his he was made a sequence of really good saves in the third period that, um, ended up with the Mada That was incorrect. It was, he had a sequence of really, really good saves where the team couldn't get the puck out of the zone. He got frustrated and interfered with um, one of the Buffalo Sabres players. And that oh, was yeah. actually what led to Dylan Larkin's right. shorthanded goal, which is a completely, that was just pure luck. He made to try to make a pass across the cop. It came back to me, buried it. But that's neither here nor there. My point being is Nadalkovich did lay it all out on the line and he did make several good saves and had several good sequences. But the end, I mean, he ended up giving up, and he ended up letting in eight goals. So he shares part of the blame. And I think from here on out, if Huso's playing well, you roll with him as your at least at least bare minimum 1A. No more 50-50 split. 1A, one 1B one tandem at the very minimum. And if Huso yeah. earns it more, starter backup role. Because he's just had, unfortunately, a shaky start to the season, and he hasn't been reliable enough in net. Another problem, problem that didn't help them, though, is the fact that the Red Wings took six penalties in this game. After a game where they took two penalties, we were just praising, it's funny the whiplash. You listen to Monday's episode, Scotty, and we were talking about how they fixed all the problems from those two losses. That was a game where they fixed all their problems and looked good except for the third period where they got outchanced. But right. They looked good in the game against Minnesota. So you go from that game where everything looked great to this game where everything looked bad and they go back to taking six penalties and giving up two power play goals. I mean, you just cannot survive by doing that. And, I mean, you just can't survive by playing a game like this. You can't survive by giving up 46 shots. You can't survive by um, taking six penalties. And you can't survive by putting up that kind of defensive performance. You can't survive by you not got establishing... You outshot by 30. And you only had 18 because you couldn't establish an offensive zone you pressure. You got outshot Everything. by almost 30, bro. <laughs> Everything was wrong with this game. But... Dylan Larkin scored. He still continues to be over a point per game. Off to another hard start, hot start like he was last season. Olimata scored another goal as he finds a new level in his game offensively. David Perron scored off a feed from Joe Valeno as he continues to be a good acquisition. But those three things were the only bright spots in this game, and I, you call them bright spots, but it's more like a, a, a speck. It's like you're looking at a just a tub of mud and you get like, a couple really nice, bright specks, and they are like, three, like, oh, you're like, oh, that's then, like, shiny. I don't know what kind of analogy I'm what making. What an analogy. I am at my wits' end. I'm literally out of words This to was say. tough, man. And, and
1: again, I'm sure we'll come on tomorrow and
0: and talk, you know, lighten the mood
1: and talk about what we can improve on and being a little bit of a better headspace. But golly, after watching the, all 60 minutes of that game, that's that little –
0: The worst I thing... can't imagine
1: how the players feel. I feel the... bad because, like – we we feel like we just got punched in the mouth that we, we just watch the game and talk yeah. about it and analyze it. They I mean, they were out there on the ice, man. That's got to feel brutal.
0: Well, and that's the thing is like that's the thing that's most frustrating, right, is. We and I just said it, but I'll say it again on Monday's episode, we came out and we were so happy to see them rebound and play so well on Saturday. And really fix all of their mistakes, and we were like, "It's good to see they're capable of adjusting their problems." And then they come out against the the Buffalo Sabers, and everything that they had done was so well, they just turned to 180 and played like crap. And I I don't know what it was, like maybe this, was it was the game against Minnesota. Like this is where we get back in that conversation, and we shouldn't because we have to wrap it up here. But I guess I'll end on this is. It's a tale so far of two Detroit Red Wings in this season. You get the game against Minnesota, that team, where they play really tight. And you get the game against tonight, where they get absolutely blown out. The truth probably lies somewhere in the middle. But it's incredibly frustrating when you get that whiplash from game to game. And we're going to find out with this team and this new composition and these new players and this new head coaching, where the middle lies for them. Are they going to be closer to Minnesota? Are they going to be closer to Buffalo in terms of game tiles, game styles? I hope it's the former because I can't stand to watch 82 games of these types of blowouts, nor do I expect it. But we did see it in the second half of last year. And I'm scared, man. Like we've seen it. We know it can happen. And I don't want that again because last year was really hard to talk about. Once you hit that.
1: We've seen it three times in the last four games type of area. That's when concern really starts rising, I think. I yeah, think, like, you know, one time you're like, okay, outlier. That's our first regulation loss. Two times you're like, all right, that sucks. Let's keep an eye on this. Bounce back game and then right back down. That's that's tough, man. Three three like, in the last four is, is alarming for sure.
0: Again, like trying not to overreact through nine games. But the whiplash has been there, and and we're going to continue to give it time and try to react game by game and make it make calm adjustments. But this one hurts, man. This one hurts a lot, and it had us fired up. And I think it we're justified in being angry about that. Like absolutely, obviously agree. So we'll be back on Wednesday with some kind of content. I don't know. Maybe we'll talk more about this game. I don't know if I want to, to be honest. But duty calls. <sighs> duty calls. So be back on Wednesday, same time, same place. It's your team. Hand signal for every day. I don't know what that would look like. Every day. Every day.